Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 79th episode of the Truth Island podcast. Imagine you are the friendliest person around, super agreeable, super accommodating. You're the type of guy to say, you know what, everyone, wherever you want to eat is just fine with me. When talking with other people, no matter how much you disagree with their lifestyle choices or their political views, you are always able to entertain what they have to say with a warm and caring smile, as you realize there is much more to people than simply their beliefs. Unfortunately, however, you may have noticed that the world isn't always as accommodating as you are. People can go to war with one another over incredibly complex and serious matters, or simply because they don't like the clothes on someone else's back. Whether we like to admit it, we as humans can be very tribal and cliquish at times. As much as we would like the world to be as open as we are, it sometimes just isn't possible. Joining me to help solve this conundrum, I am once again joined by Dallas. Dallas, have you ever been that nice guy stuck in the middle? Oftentimes, sure. I think we all have engaged in that process of, of trying to be the peacemaker. I've worked hard at trying to find within myself the means to, I've heard it said many times, say what you mean, but don't say it mean. You know, so being able to kind of speak the truth, but without, you know, try, without offending the other person or belittling or rubbing them raw, raw in some way. So I, I had a story uh, recently. My mother uh, is um, very much and has been a longtime Republican, and God bless her, that's, that's different than my uh, perspective or where I come from politically, but um, I've gone through a, a, a lifelong process of accepting her and, and her hopefully accepting me from, from my views. But recently, you know, a couple of months ago, she sent me a text that essentially said, don't, don't vote for Biden. There was a couple of ways that I could have responded to that. And my brother, by the way, is also a, a, a more, you know, democratic, liberal leaning person. And, you know, we have to find our way to uh, uh, interact with my mom without alienating her. So um, I chose not to answer the text and get into a back and forth about it. And I, I went on my merry way, basically continuing to speak to her on the phone and text from that point forward, but doing my best to kind of, you know, just stay steer clear of the, uh, the political uh, discussion. So it, it's been a bit of a uh, dance and a balancing act, but it's interesting that I think as you get older, maybe you get a little wiser on on how to interact with family members and particularly when politics are involved, which can be a lightning rod, you know, for some of us. Uh, thank you for sharing. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people are having to juggle. You know, it's very important that we're having this conversation right now because this is actually the perfect time to have this podcast because there's two major things that are going on. Yeah. One, uh, we're in the in the aftermath of a huge election. And two, Thanksgiving is coming up. 
right? So if we if we if we actually just kind of think about that, um, this is actually going to be a, a a moment where we really have to teach people how to juggle. Now I'm I'm kind of like you, Dallas. I actually have friends that are all over the political aisle. I have conservative friends. I have liberal friends. I I get along with everyone, right? And I I'm also aware of like. All right, let me not push buttons with with this person. They're a bit on the how should you say how how should we say sensitive side of the street, right? They're on the sensitive side. Yeah. What becomes difficult is when person A says, "Well, I can't be around person B," or you know that 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 you have two two sensitive people. Because I think that like what what happens is that when we're around people, we 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 kind of play the role of the bigger man or, or the bigger person or whatever, and we're like, all right, all right, like like I'm not going to say anything. Let's just talk about sports. Let's just talk about that television show or whatever. I'm wondering how it is that we can because and, and a lot of families might be thinking about this. It's like how are we going to sit at the Thanksgiving dinner and have people that conflict in their viewpoints, but at the same time, somehow get along with one another? Or do you think that's just not possible? I, th- I, I, I have hope that it is possible. It's so interesting with Thanksgiving coming up that you mentioned, there will be a lot of people sitting around the family table. You know, there's a lot that can go on to make that Thanksgiving outing go south, as it were, you know, from politics to anything, you know, whether or not people feel that somebody's doing enough for COVID, for example, or employment is a big deal for a lot of people and lack of financing. And I know that these are things that are very present in my life today, and I'm sure for a lot of people. So the, the family table can get pretty heated, but I think that listening, we, we've always heard that you know, it takes a, a, a tremendous amount of being able to get to the other side of any problem issue uh, facing uh, people is to listen and then and then to, you know, state your response or your opinion, like I said, in a way that doesn't rile them, provoke or antagonize. And that's a tough uh, balance sometimes, right? You know, it's tough to... Uh, you know, state your truth without the other person getting getting up and walking out. So I, I'm wondering here, like, I, I think that's great advice for anyone who's willing to listen to it. You know, I, I think, and I think you and I probably abide by those principles, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners do. I'm wondering, like, in, in, in the case of, like, let's say you're that ultra reasonable guy that likes to listen and likes to, you know, touch people, you know, in a very gentle with kid gloves, so to speak. I'm wondering, do we have a responsibility to separate the two highly sensitive people from one another? Do we try and mediate and say, no, 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 Uncle Tom, like we don't talk that way or, or like, I'm wondering what, what our role is this? Because I, I, I would say that we're in a very precarious situation because we know how to deal with people, but we have to then teach the sensitive people how they deal with one another. And it, it sucks, right? It sucks. Like, why should this be our burden? Or should it even be our burden to have to do this? But I'm, but I'm, I, you know, I, as I get older, I'm saying to myself, well, if we don't do it, th- then who really bloody well will? Yeah. 
we I think we underestimate the power of being present and 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 available to as you just put it, you know, two people who are on different uh, sides of the fence and they're both sensitive as, as uh, can be. And how do we mediate between them is, you know, I, w- I wish it were an exact science, but it's not. And invariably you could end up uh, alienating one or both of those people. So yeah, I wish I had the answer, I guess, each situation is is different and unique in, in into of it in, into itself but i would say that if you have a drunk uncle you should kick him out of the room first i i think i think that i think that's fair to say that um if you have two sensitive people obviously there's going to be one that maybe pushes it way too far like there's gonna there's there's gonna there's like there's a critical line in the sand where it's like all right well I gave both of you a chance and you're both kind of wrong in this situation, but you, you, sir, you took it way too far and now you have to go. And then that, that's like a, a time where uh, separation is required. I'm wondering, do we, again, with friends, we can just like, and, and here's, I, I had this conversation on a previous podcast with a, with a girl named Gabby and we were discussing like, well, if you have an event, do you like only invite one of those people? Do you invite none of those people? Do you invite both of them and let them duke it out or, and then separate them if as need be. So I'm wondering like, what, what exactly is your responsibility in this? Cause may, maybe the right thing to do is not invite both of them because they need to learn not to be ultra sensitive. And then maybe both of them need to kind of like pay that punishment or that tax. I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, no, you're right. It, in, in some ways, it might be most beneficial to not invite either of them. But it gets tough when you when you when you employ that uh, strategy. Um, let, let's say you end up diluting, you know, what could be a more fuller family experience, as as off putting as the drunk uncle might be or the kid who's, you know, spoiled, you still want to have them, you know, part of the, the participation in the family, right? It's, it's part of like what makes us, you know, fully alive and engaged is to have, you know, the, the family as, as full as it can be. Just touching on that for a moment, this Thanksgiving, and because of COVID and the pandemic, and it looks like I'm going to actually have Thanksgiving here in my apartment with my girlfriend. So it'll be like the first Thanksgiving in a long time where I'm not with, you know, members of my family. Well, I'm assuming both of you are not sensitive people. So yeah, I think, <laughs> right. I, I think, I think that will like, um, that, <laughs> that'll, work. that'll work out just fine. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, in New York, and we live in New York, both, you know, both of us. And I, I think I just read recently that there's an advisory not to actually travel to other people's house during this Thanksgiving break. Like they're, they're actually warning against domestic flights and things like that and, and so forth. 
I'm wondering if this can also just be an opportunity because, you know, if we, if we think about the, the meaning of Thanksgiving to give thanks where maybe, maybe we kind of need as a world, we need the separation from one another. And I know that sounds very grim to say, but perhaps that separation is what kind of begets gratefulness for one another. Whereas when, when it, when it comes to easy, like when we can just walk through people's house and act, however, which way we desire, well, we're not we're not really grateful for what it is that we have. Yeah, I think uh, Thanksgiving is going to be like a uh, eye-opening experience for so many people because it's uh, it'll be different. But I think that we can make the bo- the most of it by really like honoring that what we're doing. If many, if some of us, you know, choose to forego, you know, being with family is that we're really honoring each other by looking out for the, the health and the soci- of, of our greater society, right? Because we want to do everything that we can to um, kind of er- eradicate this, this pandemic that's been so disruptive. I mean, in a hundred years, we haven't had this kind of disruption when it comes to a, a health crisis, you know, in the, in the world. So, um, I think it'll it'll be a challenge, and like I said, the not being with family for the first time. The other the other uh, day was my brother's birthday, my brother and my mother's birthday, and we did a group family Zoom chat. Uh, so I'm sure other people have done that as well, but that that was as, cl- as close as we could all get to being in the same room. Uh, but it was very you know, emotional and powerful for all of us. I'm hoping that people people emerge from this with a a much greater sense of of gratitude and my initial like i i I thought man i i was trying to be an optimist and thought that you know the pandemic would bring people closer together however in the wake of this recent election regardless of what side you are i'm not really seeing that all that much unfortunately like my my hopes have kind of been trampled on and dashed a little bit and i'm wondering i'm I'm wondering like we we as super reasonable people we have that responsibility to kind of close these gaps and 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 so forth i'm also wondering like when it doesn't become our responsibility anymore when we've gone too far and I, i don't know what the proper recourse is i don't know what the proper thing to do in, in in this situation is like if it's like you're both out of the picture one the least do we pick like the lesser of two evils and let that person stay and then we kick out the more outrageous party member that that's not that that's not a- acting you know the part and so forth because i think that you know we're, we're getting at a point where if, if we can't fundamentally come together, and when I say come together, a lot of people make this distinction between coming together means everyone is in consensus or in agreement with one another. And that's not at all what it is that I'm advocating for. I don't think we'll ever, and, and something would actually be highly dangerous with us as a species if we were all in perfect agreement about stuff. I think that would be akin to fascism. <laughs> but I think that there's at a point where everyone should be able to come together and have a fundamental level of respect for each other. And I'm wondering how, how, how we can start fostering that, 
th that kind of behavior is where everyone is is there at that table or at that gathering and there's that I disagree with you, but hey, man, I love your brother. Like, you know, we don't see eye to eye, but here's a million things we do see eye to eye on. Do you have any tips for that, my friend? Yeah, well, first, let me say, yeah, it's a, a, a divisive time, um, certainly, maybe in some ways as div divisive as the period when we were in the Civil War, as far as just what side of the political fence you may be on and how that the lens through which you're looking at what's going on in the world, when it, things that I mentioned earlier, whether it be COVID or the, the economy. And, you know, I know that for me, just if I might, if I can say briefly that I saw dancing in the streets of people celebrating an election that was an, ele and an election period that was so trying for so many of us i think we all were growing weary of it because of you know how much tension was was surrounding that period of uh campaigning on on both on both parties but i was so grateful to see this dancing in the streets and celebration and you know people just really you know a collective sigh of relief you know that better a better day might be ahead and then a week later, there was a whole nother celebration, if you will, in Washington, D.C., from out there supporting their president, you know, and Mr. Trump and the Republican Party. And it was at that moment that I had to say, you know what, I might still be in disagreement, this faction, but they have a right to, you know, be in the streets and peacefully protest as well. As much as I didn't believe in steal the vote or any of this, quite frankly, what I view as silliness about there being voter fraud, I, I had to respect that they had a right to be there in the streets just as much as those people a week prior had a right to be there celebrating uh, a Biden victory. I, I like I, I I hear what you're saying, and this makes sense. And I want to go back to the initial dancing in the streets, because I, I feel like on one hand, you know, it's COVID. It's very depressing. And to see dancing in the streets is a positive thing. However, however, Dallas, there is a danger to all of that. And that is the danger of like tribalism like aha our side proved victorious. We win. And, you know, it's kind of like in sports. What do you do? You, you win the game and then you shake hands with your opponent. Good game, sir, you know. And yeah. I'm, I'm worried that whichever side proves victorious and it looks like, you know, Biden will be our next president, we need to see reconciliation with, with one another. And that's, yeah. that's the most fundamental thing that I think that we need amongst disagreeable people is, is this idea of like, I happen to be the winner. Let's not focus on that right now. But here's here's a way forward for the both of us right now. Here here's a way forward for the for the both of us in, in, in a way that we can kind of coexist with one another. And I think that in some respects, the winner has to not only be a winner in, in the election or a winner at life, they also have to be a winner in in reconciling. Like they have to kind of put their winning on the down low and basically 
basically like underplay their victory. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, it was, it was, it was a close call, whatever, you know, I barely won by the skin of my teeth and then sort of have a humility to them. And then that will allow the loser or that will allow the people who are, you know, less favorable in that circumstance to kind of, you know, be like, all right, well, we'll, we'll thank you for, for like coming and extending your, your hand out to me. In principle, everything you're saying, I agree with 100%. In practice, it doesn't feel like that is being reciprocated or acknowledged, the reaching across the hand across the aisle, so to speak, which I feel has been done in this political process that we've seen so far from, from the Biden camp and Biden himself. And I'm waiting for the day when, <laughs> when the other hand reaches back across the aisle in, in, in specific terms, whether that be Mitch McConnell or, you know, other members of Republican Congress or Mr. Trump himself. I, I'm waiting for that day to have it be uh, met halfway, so to speak, because I think it's critical just what you said, that there has to be this, you know, okay, we, we won and there's, you know, a new administration and there's a new thought process coming in, but we need to include and remain inclusive of, and I'm going to quote Biden here again, you know, I'm not just, you know, a president for the red states or the blue states, but for all the United States of America. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can get to that place. Certainly, in, in, the, in, the, in what we see coming from the next president, but then how maybe that can permeate, you know, human affairs from top to bottom. And we can all kind of have that, that spirit that you're talking about where, okay, we have our differences, but let's see where we, we, we can find common ground. And we might not, we, we might agree to disagree, but we can still be civil with one another. I think that's a huge thing is civility making its way back into our 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 discourse on all levels so absolutely yeah. and you know I, I and also like if the republicans win in 2024 i think we could set a precedent of like okay this is how they kind of gracefully extend an olive branch you know to mm -hmm. the democrats and so forth so i think that that, mm -hmm. that sets a very positive tone and i think maybe there was a time in in u.s politics like after the civil war maybe in the 50s you know where that that kind of relationship did exist like most political scientists do think that the country is extremely extremely polarized more so than like you said um like some you know like at the same levels as the civil war almost i'm wondering like even thinking just off of politics for a second do you think that we have a cliquish or tribal nature to ourselves as human beings? Because I'm also, you know, I, I see tribalism and I see cliquish behavior in the workplace. I see it in, in many different facets of our lives. I mean, even, even on a very superficial level when it comes to sports, like we would definitely have a, a tribalism to us. So I, I'm wondering like, if we'll ever be able to fully remove our, our tribal identities from us and, and actually act as a as a cohesive whole? Or do you think that the need to 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 segregate and the need to to form cliquish communities is always going to be inherent within us? I think that uh, the word click or cliquish behavior 
does come with a, a negative connotation, right? It, it usually means you're, you know, being exclusive and forbidding to other people. And certainly when it came to high school, I didn't like it, <laughs> right? The cliques, which, which group do I want to be a part of and which is going to be, you know, accept me into the fold or not. So, but I do think that there, it's important to find your tribe, if you will, or to, to find people that you, you do feel like you have common ideas and, and support one another. And for instance, the Black Lives Matter movement, I think was very, has been very important in America to uh, give people an identity that they can then you know, take to the next level in, in terms of putting that into uh, policy decisions and, and ways to improve um, not only black lives, but I, as far as I consider it, uh, American lives just in general. So, but it is something where it can then obviously have a downside to it if taken into its, its uh, conclusion that, like I said, it, it keeps people at a distance and outside of your circle, what does that say about how you're going to be able to, you know, complete any means of uh, what you're trying to accomplish? Is that helping with your uh, question? I mean, I want to actually push back a little bit on this issue because I think by virtue of forming a click, you're, whether you mean to or not, you're excluding some other people or some other group from your your clique because there's usually a marker or an identifier as to how it is that you get to be in this clique. It could be on a sports, it could be like, oh, you're a jock, or it, it could be some kind of a political organization. And, and one way or another, whether you realize it or you don't, you exclude another group. And then there's an out group that's looking in at your group and they're like, well, I can't be a part of that or I'm not allowed to be. And that fosters what I think is is, is like a level of resentment. And this is why I, I, I struggle with like, is there a way that we can kind of surpass this or overcome it where we just kind of view ourselves as homo sapiens to some, some degree? And I, I think that if we came to a point where we saw ourselves primarily as homo sapiens, as, as members of the same species, then that resentment isn't, isn't as, 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 as apparent and isn't as, as, as visible there anymore. And again, you might be forming a tribe or an in-group and you may, you may not have malicious intention in forming that group, but by, by, by virtue of just forming it, you've now excluded other people who might be, you know, looking in and, and their, their eyes are starting to fill with resentment. Yeah. I I think that's important to uh, not have exclusive markers as you will, you know, of, of what it takes for, somebody to be in, invited into your your group that's what we saw in country clubs for example that excluded whether it's jewish people or other minorities you know simply based on their you know ethnicity and you know it's interesting though like you want at this there is a what i would just push back on is that there is a sense i think where at some point, 
or at certain points, we as humans um, need to kind of band together to, if you want to say, you know, stick up for a cause or, or a purpose or, you know, where you're being, you know, whether it's you're being subjugated or you're being violated. And that's, I don't think necessarily a click. That's, that's more of a purpose centered around a, a certain ideology, if you will. Whereas a click, you know, like I said, going back to that negative connotation, you know, is something more like you see in, in a kind of social circles, if yeah. that makes any sense. Now, now let's even let's let's even zoom in on on the circle, the social circle clicks, for example. Yeah. There's actually very two compelling uh, arguments to be made for both cases. On one hand, like we discussed, the click by virtue of being a click excludes other people, which is not is not necessarily a nice thing to do. On the other hand, though, those group of people might have a strong sense of commonality that they wish to preserve in, in their respective group. Like they, they may, hey, this is a group of musicians here. We take our music really, really, really serious. We just don't have time to uh, bother ourselves with non-musicians right now. And I, I you know, I, I'm probably even guilty of doing this myself and, and, and at certain times in my life prioritizing certain groups of people over others just because, hey, I really want to be talking to these people over here who are really interested in philosophy or something. So I'm, I'm guilty. My hands are bloodied in this as well. Like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a saint in any, in any of this. We need to train ourselves to, if we are part of this clique, to, to basically know when it's time to shut it down and sort of then kind of melt into the larger community and 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 be able to 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 then you know broaden ourselves i think that's that's kind of the issue where it's like if you have a specific click or like you just described like a very specific political purpose or cause fantastic that's great you know you need time to spend if you need to spend every sunday with your musician friends because you're all in a band together well that makes perfect sense why you're excluding others like i, I can't argue with that one right I think, though, the danger comes when you don't quickly dissolve after that immediate occurrence. So once once you've once you've practiced a few hours with your music friends, there, there then comes a time where you need to dissolve from that cliquish identity and start branching out to other members of the of the of the, of the species, so to speak. Can't recall from our previous podcasts if I mentioned, but and and I don't I don't mind for myself breaking my own anonymity but basically i've been in recovery for over three decades now since 1990 before you were born and uh it's a it's a a group that has sustained me and has turned my life around you know being in that recovery process but it can get clickish at times and so you made me think about that what i love about this particular recovery though is it's basically you know, nobody can kick you out, no matter what walk of life you come from or background or rich or poor. It's like you belong simply because you say you belong and nobody can say otherwise. So I really like that about it's it's it, it's a feeling of, in a way, almost anarchy, if you will, because, you know, there's there's nobody that can be like a grand marshal to uh, say, oh, you, you, 
you can stay and you have to go or anything along those lines. No, you, you're, you belong because you, you say you do, you identify that you're in recovery. So I really like that, you know, the, the parameters that have been set up there. And I will say though, that clicks within that environment still do exist. Yeah, no, it, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned this because um, my mom, you know, has done a lot of acting and she says that actors are the most clickish people on the face of the earth. <laughs> she, 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 she says that they are, 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 are super duper clickish. And I, I think that that example, like, here's the thing. So there's, let's just say you're in a group of actors, right? And you're like, well, okay, I really have a lot of stuff in common with these people. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of things in common. I think when you start using that clickish in-group to start making other people's lives really difficult, like, oh, let's not cast this person in the production or, or like, I just want my friends to be in this show, right? I think that happens a lot in acting where they're like, no, 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 I only want to work with her. I only want to work with this person. And then what happens is that they only cast the people they want to work with and not necessarily the person that's best for that role or the person who would actually do the best possible job. And that's where clickish behavior becomes highly dangerous, where it's not like, hey, I just feel like getting a cup of coffee with these two people on Sunday. I have a lot of issues that I want to talk to them about. It becomes like I'm using this click to basically preclude this, these people from our group and kind of deny them resources. Wow, you, you hit on something. I have a very specific example where that happened with, in terms of actors and clicks and so forth. My ex-wife, we were married at the time, put on a, a play uh, that was exciting to be a part of. And um, we were auditioning actors. And the one female that that my, my ex-wife settled on, um, I didn't feel was that strong. There was another girl who came in and she was amazing, blew us away. And yet my, my ex-wife wanted to go with the previous woman, I think because she knew her or had worked with her previously. So it was a situation where are you going to take the one that knocked your socks off or are you going to go with the one that you know? And she went with the one that she knew. And 30 minutes into our first rehearsal, she realized she had made a mistake. And she called up finally kind of came to her senses, in my opinion, and called up the other woman and said, you know what, we really would love you to do the role. And so she came in and ended up doing the role, doing it amazingly. And she uh, went on to win a Tony on Broadway, not in, not in our show, but she went on to become a, a well-known actress. Yes. I mean, and I, I give your ex-wife credit for at least coming to her senses, maybe, maybe, maybe even like a little too late, but whatever, still, she may, she, she was able to, to, to come and open her eyes and see that. I am thinking though, Dallas, that sometimes it's not that, it's not really a happy tale ending in, in a lot of these cases. Sometimes the, the person just decides, no, I want to work with these people. And then the most talented person never actually rises to the top. And I think I've been, I, I, I've definitely, I've been the victim of this definitely a, a lot at work. I'm not making myself into a sob story, um, <laughs> but, but, you know, sometimes my personality type can be rather disagreeable at times. 
And, you know, I'm not like, like uh, some, sometimes people just want to be surrounded by their friends and they want to be surrounded by people who will tell them what it is that they want to hear. And when that happens, the, the best people aren't necessarily moving up. It's really the people who are the most agreeable and, 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 and like, telling people and it's it's funny because i wear both hats sometimes when i see two sensitive people i keep my mouth shut and keep the peace but when i see something is really going in a dangerous direction i speak up and then sometimes i've gotten in trouble for that well i'm glad you you speak up though when you see a, a wrongdoing sometimes i err too much on keeping my mouth shut when when i should step in and say something hats off to you on that uh, I'm, I'm not as much of a hero as I'm making myself out to be. Believe me, man. I believe there's times where I'm like, well, no, this is, I'm not playing with this fire right now. So, <laughs> but, um, but I, I, I think that, you know, like, like going back to this idea of clicks, I think that we need to teach people that like, you need to get out of your, your comfort zone. I, I think that that's an important lesson is that, that people of value might exist outside your immediate comfort area and out of your, and I, I think this could happen in, in politics as well, or in, in any other strata is like, I disagree with a lot, you know, with a lot of things that that person is saying, but man, oh man, are they highly competent or man, oh man, mm -hmm. they are sharp or man, oh man, their counter examples are, are like, like, like daggers right now. And that's the kind of, thinking that I think we need when we're juggling disagreeable people is like, you can disagree. Yes, you don't see eye to eye, but you got to have respect for your adversaries and you got to have respect mm -hmm. for people who have a lot of intelligence and are bringing a lot to the table. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen to align in the way that you would like it to. Yeah. And you, you don't know how things are going to work themselves out. And quite often, I don't get everything I want or need when I'm in a disagreement with somebody. And I think that uh, oftentimes I walk away uh, partially satisfied. And maybe at the end of the day, being partially satisfied is what we need to be okay with. You're not going to get all your everything that you want wrapped up neatly in a bow. But even if you are able to get a portion of it or even if you're heard and listened to and respected, you keep coming back to that word respect. And we've talked about civility. Um, I think those are ultimately really vital and important as well. Yes. I, I, I think that that's something that we need to teach people is you have, you know, it's okay to have your favorites. It's okay to have people that you favor, uh, more than others and, and so forth. And it's natural. Like, I, I think it's natural. Like, I'm, you're not going to get along with everyone equally. That's just not possible. It's, it's, it's really impossible. We all are going to have our favorites and people that we have certain proclivities or certain bends to. But you have to fundamentally respect others. And I, I think that w one of the lessons are, is that like, if you are, let's go back to our Thanksgiving table right now. If, an, if a, a disagreement does come about, is there still fundamental respect being maintained with that disagreement? And I think if you have 
two people that think op, you know, are, are, are thinking on polar ends of the political spectrum, you're not really chastising the person that disagrees with you. You're chastising the person who's being disrespectful. And I think that's, those are all rules that we can kind of hold to. It's like, speak your, speak your wisdom, speak your truth. But once you cross the line of disrespecting another human being, that's when we have the right to call you out. And that's when we have the right to then kick you out of that table or kick you out of that room, or at least give you a firm warning and just, you know, make sure that you're like Icarus, like you're not flying a little too close to the sun. Yeah. I think when it, when it crosses the line into name calling and being derogatory or belittling, then certainly uh, there's every right to you know ask that person to be dismissed, if you will. Whether it's the drunk uncle, drunk uncle, or the uh, you know spoiled, sullen child throwing a temper tantrum. But it's interesting. Really quick, I grew up in a town that was pretty diverse, Montclair, New Jersey, and had many walks of life there and ethnicities and a big melting pot of people growing up in pretty progressive town. So I'm grateful that I had it to grow up in. But I remember distinctly one night being at a party or out with some friends. And this one kid was, he loved the Grateful Dead and he loved being a Republican, which you find that a lot in the in the, the Grateful Dead circles. I don't know if you're aware of that, but a lot of Republicans seem to love the dead. And I remember having a huge disagreement with him that night. And here we are, two teenagers talking and not coming to any resolution. And just yesterday, I looked up on Facebook or saw a posting, and he won a Republican seat in some township in New Jersey. And I said, you know, you know what? Good for him. And he's still a Republican and maybe still loves the dead. And maybe we still disagree, but good for him. And, and you know what? I think it is like, regardless if you don't see eye to eye, at least the both of you have like the Grateful Dead in common. Like you can at least be like, you get a bit, yeah, the the very, yeah, you could be, you could at least be like, hey man, like we can still like, like, like let's not argue. Let's just turn this on right now and relax. Uh, yeah. Dallas, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, thanks, Aaron. Always a pleasure. Thank you. This concludes the 79th episode of the Truth Island Podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.